0: The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. Another week of intriguing rugby chat awaits since the raw.com.au Australia's biggest sporting debate and you're home of the biggest and best rugby discussion kicking around. Uh, A great response and reaction to last week's really interesting chat with sports lawyer, Aaron Lloyd. Um, Thanks to everyone who got in touch to say as much and you can have your say and do the same under the new episode page each week on the raw or hit us up on the socials um, and please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. And here's our promise to you. If you leave us a review, We'll make mention of it on the podcast. We can't do any more than that. Um, but joining me this week and every week and preparing himself to be outnumbered, outwitted and completely outpotted by scrum halves is my generally fearless but currently very nervous co-host, Harry Jones. Hello, mate.
1: How's it? How's it? I'm surrounded by nines this week. Yeah, we got, uh, got, got Pooh Bear coming on at nine. Um, so so I, do, I, I want to talk about a word. And so yeah. the word for the day, Brett, is nomad. <laughs> a nomad is a member of a people who have no fixed residence. They move yeah. from place to place seasonally. Sometimes they don't have a well defined territory. Sometimes there's not really, it breaks down, right? There's no boundaries. And for centuries, they've uh, shepherded goats and sheep and cattle across grasslands. You might call a nomad a drifter, a gypsy, a knockabout, a roamer, a stroll, a vagabond like me, a rugby <laughs> wanderer. But I want to draw your attention to the etymology of this word Latin, the Latin nomad. If you flip it around, nomad is demon. <laughs> Let's chat.
0: <laughs> oh, it is time to bring in this week's guest. And there's no way, no two ways about this. My tenuous hold on the pod 15's number nine jersey is about to slip.
1: Oh, it's gone. <laughs>
0: Rugby Podcast. Fantastic to have join us from the pod's Brisbane studios. Uh, Someone we're very pleased to announce will be returning to the Raw's rugby pages later in the international season. Current Kintetsu liners and former Ballymore Tornado scrum half, Will Genia. Hello, mate. How are you?
2: I'm good, mate. I like how you dropped the Ballymore Tornadoes in there. It was a good one.
0: (laughs) Well, this this was going to be my first question. You've played for a few clubs, but there must surely be some clubs in that list of yours that don't get enough credit. So I was thinking, you know, former Brisbane City uh, scrum half, former Stade Francais scrum half. It's it. Reds and Wallabies is too easy, mate.
2: Much too easy. I, I like that you brought it up, though, because that was actually a really cool experience. It's the first sort of iteration of um, what the the NRC. Uh, yeah. And I was, I think I was an 18, 19-year-old kid. So to get the opportunity to play that rugby at that age against good quality opposition, yeah, it brings back some good memories, actually.
0: It does. So, Harry, for your benefit, this was the 2007 Australian Rugby Championship we're talking about. Only lasted one season. But it was the only tournament at a decent level worldwide that was played with the full set of Stellenbosch ELVs. Ah, very nice.
1: Very obscure. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, really? it
0: was good. It was good. And better for that, I've, I've actually still got the program from round one from that tournament. And sitting on the bench with young Wilgenia, uh, in jersey number twenty-two for the Ballymore Tornadoes was none other than Tim Sampson, the current Western Force coach. Ah,
2: that's yeah, that's I. I cannot believe I played with Sambo. He's, a, he's one of the
0: <laughs> one of the great He is. He is. Uh, he he used to bring when he was in here in Canberra um, coaching coaching Tuggeranong and the Canberra Vikings. He used to bring it up all the time. You know, I played in the ARC. But <laughs> I, I, I don't
2: think he'd mind me saying this. Sambo had no athletic ability. He was tall, mm. lanky, slow. Great skills, but like you no know, athletic ability, but an amazing footy brain. So I don't think it's you know it's it was always sort of in the stars that he would make a great coach. And I think from all things that you see with the force, he certainly has made that transition really well.
0: Yeah, he certainly has, and and who he, he's too good a coach to be to be lost to the game uh, after, yeah. after this year. So the other that guy you that you play tonight.
1: with, well, um, was when you became a red. I think when you were a teenager, at 19 years old, you had Nick Berry as the other nine. Yeah, and, true. Uh, I was wondering if you replaced him because he made too many
2: errors. Sorry, Sapper <laughs> <for> reference. <laughs> Bez, it, like, when I came back and played for the Rebels, he, uh, Bez was obviously refereeing at that stage. And I swear, like, on the field, he would give me decisions whenever he refereed the, the Rebels games just because we've had that relationship. Because it was funny, I'd go up to him, like, Bears, what you That's the wrong call. Or Bez, like, come on, mate, you can't, do that. and then give it like, the next ruck or something. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's genius. Uh, That's fantastic.
0: It's fantastic. Look, we'll, we'll we'll rip straight into it. We'll start where we start every week. What stood out to you from, from round 14 uh, on the weekend of Super Rugby Pacific?
2: I'd say the Waratahs. I've mm. really enjoyed watching the Waratahs play. I mean, I think it was the first time they'd won in New Zealand since maybe 2015. Uh, I might be wrong with the dates, but I just – I really enjoy their style of rugby, and I enjoy that there – you know, you've seen their progression go from young young blokes getting an opportunity to them, then – um, growing as individuals and growing as a team, building a culture. And you know, the best thing about when you watch them play, you can see that culture is very strong. And Obviously, Darren Coleman's come in and done a really good job to continue to grow that. Um, and mm. I just really like the way they're playing their rugby. And you know, they're definitely a threat in terms of, um, you know, a title contender.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a really nice patience about them in games. And it, it feels funny to be saying that about the Waratahs because we, I don't think we've seen that in their game for for a couple of years so um, and a proper squad mentality as well it's, it's probably only been the brumbies i think that had been showing that but there's a real squad appearance about the War- Waratahs now and, and that that's the difference between teams going deep and not i think now
2: 100 i think that, that whole squad mentality understanding your place in the squad and that everybody contributes regardless of whether you're picked or you're not like i said you can see that there's a real culture of family there and everyone seems to have bought in uh, and I, I, I think Jake Gordon's been excellent all year. I think he's let, I think the captaincy has allowed his game to go to another level. And Tane Edmonds, obviously really grown in that, in, in that role as number 10 as well. And, mm. um, you know, for Lelikar and obviously, that is as I Parisi he's injured, but, You know, I just really like the way they've gelled as a team and I like the style of rugby they play. And that's hard for me to say because, you know, I'm... I'm, I
0: love that old state habits die hard. I've got to pick you up on one thing, Will. You you mentioned something that the commentators said on Saturday that it was the first time the Tars had won in New Zealand since 2015. They won in New Zealand two weeks ago. (laughs) They beat Moana Pacifica in Auckland. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but you know we've everyone everyone, everyone had forgotten about that oh, what i i'm glad you mentioned lalakai fquetti i've i've not been a a massive rap on him for the last 12 or 18 months but the last month or so particularly he really feels like he's pushing his game to new levels harry i know you've seen this before as well he's He's got a bit more ball, ball playing about him. He's always had the offload and the physicality, but he's got a bit more ball playing about him and he's looking more and more like the modern-day inside centre, I think.
1: No, I think so. the turn the turnaround is really is interesting and it's, uh, it's worth a study. I wrote in an article recently about this, looking at how little there was to change in Darren mm. Coleman. I mean, there was not a big budget buy. Uh, there was not a big turnaround. The players, the new names on Saturday were like Jeff Cridge, Lange Gleason, Dylan Peach, and, you know, the much maligned Dan Hattigan. This is not a sea change. And then, you know, Jamie Roberts, who's, you know, literally on lost legs. So I think he had the same squad. And uh, you have to look at confidence. You have to look at, you know, like, uh, as I said, the coach for the broken. I mean, he took people's Mm. confidence and said, you can do this. And he showed them a different way. I think the fact that he was a club coach, who came up hard? He was not a you know well esteemed player himself, so he didn't come in with that kind of arrogance. Yeah, and he really wants his his team to play. And what I like about it is, a guy like uh, Jed Holloway, they just move him around. He plays wherever they say play, go. Yeah, do. and yeah. Uh, there's a real servant kind of have fun attitude. No, it's it's I, I'm with Will there. I think that was a, an amazing statement to say. They are based the second best team. I'm not sure where we'll go this far. Second best Australian team now at Super Rugby. so. Well,
2: you know, I think from, more... actually, from the guys that I've spoken to that have had stuff to do with Darren Coleman, they said that his biggest strength is his ability to foster culture and, and get the best out of his, yeah. his players. They're a real good people person. And yeah. I think there hasn't there's not been a whole bunch of squad changes. It's just been a case of the guys who have stayed around obviously have years more experience, but then they've got yeah. the backing coach. Who's built a culture that allows them to express themselves and be the best versions of themselves uh, on, on game day, and obviously throughout the week as well.
0: Yeah, and he's—I mean, what he has added is the guys that have come back, have bought their experience with him. So it's you know it's Hooper and it's, and it's Holloway and Ned Hannigan now, and these guys have you know bought half careers with them to, to complement these really exciting young guys coming through, and it's and it's fantastic to see. And as we go into the last round this weekend, I mean, the top eight looks. Pretty said, I'm not even sure the the order will change too much this weekend. But the Waratahs can still finish fourth, and you know that's that's an incredible thought to have, even going back the halfway point of the season. Will it just right. sort of? I, I think if you had have said that the Waratahs were, were a chance of finishing top four and not Queensland, I think you'd have been laughed at.
2: Mate, honestly, I had no expectations for the Waratahs at all mm. at the start of just because obviously they come off the back of a couple of disappointing seasons. But like I said, I, I've become a fan just because of the way that they're playing their rugby. Um, and it's like you said, it's incredible to think they could finish top four. And I think they're quite a scary prospect because like anything in sport, if you've got momentum uh, and, and you've got a good culture behind that, you can be quite a tough team to beat. Um, so that'd they, be a pretty scary proposition if they can finish top four and um, obviously have some home home finals.
0: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, things have got to go their way. Um, they've got to win with a bonus point. The Chiefs have got to lose to the Andruw by more than eight, and the Hurricanes have got to lose as well. So there's a few hurdles to uh, to, to encounter along the way. But you know, it could still happen. The Western Force are, are well and truly back in the frame to finish eighth, having beaten Moana Pacifica on Tuesday night. Uh, they now need to beat the Hurricanes in Perth on Saturday night. Uh, hope. The Highlanders get done by the Rebels on Sunday, and then that'll be enough for the force to get in. Um, And that'll be, and that'll be something if they can get there. They've had a tough period in the last month, but they played really well on Tuesday night. Harry, you were, you were reasonably impressed with what you saw.
1: No, no, I was. Um, I just want to say every time you say the word beat or breakdown or force, I drink a beer. So.
0: (laughs) I can't, I can't compete at that. It's, it's mid morning where we are, mate. You know, <laughs> we we can't we can't do that. Um, it, and it will be interesting to see how that all plays out. We'll we'll, we'll cover off on on the games later. Will I want to touch on your your Japanese experience this year? It's obviously it's ended really well. Uh, Kintetsu has been will will be promoted up to the the top league this year. How, how has your season played out? All in all,
2: mate. I think it's obviously the end goal was to get promoted. So we're the the clubs obviously you know excited the players. The, a lot of the guys that my, when myself and Quaid went there, hadn't experienced playing top-level footy. So to be able to get back up to Division One, um, is, is pretty exciting. You know, like like I said earlier, myself and Quaid were brought there in order to inspire change and sort of lift the standards of professionalism around the club and ultimately to get us back up there. So to sort of achieve that goal is, is pretty special. And um, But mate, the overall experience has been amazing. Like the one thing I can say about the Japanese people and more specifically the rugby players is they work incredibly hard. Yeah. like they they work incredibly hard and um for someone sort of at you'd say the back end of my like my career to go there and to see that kind of inspires me to want to continue to grow get better and improve myself um to, to be a better player so um you know you couple that with the fact that it's a great country beautiful people good food like it, it's been the most amazing experience for me thus far
0: how's how's the new uh, the new competition run under the league the league one banner this year has, has there been a a noticeable shift in the way the competition has been run and administered, and the way the clubs are operating, as opposed to what was effectively a corporate league.
2: Yeah, well, I think you'll you'll, you'll probably feel more of the changes next year when, because the, the clubs are obviously trying to move towards being professional sporting teams. Because at the moment, yeah. a lot of them just pensions of big companies. The yeah. Contessa, for example, with a transport company that owns shopping centers, hotels, train systems, all that sort of stuff, and the rugby club. The rugby is just a department of that, so they're moving to being more professionally run, where they run their run themselves as their own private organization. So there's the little things like there's a bit more ownership on the on the on the teams to to run game days as opposed to relying on uh, the, the companies and things like that. So they're getting a bit more like how they do things. But like I said, you it's probably a thing that you'll notice a bit more next year as far as how that how the competition is run and the changes that are made. The one thing I will say is moving towards like that more professional sporting model there seems to be a lot more of a foreign influx of players you know there's they're they're going out they're wanting to get um, not just like older players who are at the back end but younger players now to come and yes. be a part of growing the competition which is i think a really exciting thing
0: that's it's exactly where i was where i was gonna head their their recruiting looks like it's becoming bolder they're not just uh, going after guys in the same sort of situation as as you and Quaid were, they've mm-hmm. gone after Tom Banks. They've gone after Noah Lolosio. They've gone after Damien McKenzie. Um, yeah, you know, they they're, they're looking after guys now, heading into the prime of their career.
2: Well, I think the thing is, it's it's obviously that they've got the money to be able to to, com, yeah. to compete, bringing those young players. But it's also the rugby experience. Like it's 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 good fun rugby. It's it's not as physical or as intense. Uh, as, as obviously Super Rugby and, and Rugby in the Northern Hemisphere. But it, it's fast, high-skilled, high-paced footy that, that's quite enjoyable. And I think the more that they can attract players like that, the, the competition grows, it gets better, it gets more viewership and things of that nature. Like, you, you, the bigger picture is obviously then trying to get a team potentially into Super Rugby because it's the same mm-hmm. time zone. Yeah. And, and it's a team like the Sunwolves, but like a team like Suntory and Panasonic where the clubs mm-hmm. that already have... Ace of support as a base as an organization, rather than the Sun Wolves probably being like a barbarian team of people just put together, if that makes sense. See, when I when I hear you speak so literately,
1: uh, Will, so intelligently, with such depth of understanding, I then I realize what is the age old answer to the age old question. When a cabinet minister and a banker have a baby, who do they have? Will Guinea? So <laughs> I mean, a scrum off is just smarter than a forward. And I don't know how to describe it except for that. But tell me, tell me the truth about Quay Cooper, which is always the age-old question about him too, is, is he really a boxer? Couldn't you beat
2: him? I mean, have you ever boxed him <laughs> <final? laughs> yeah, he, he can fight. He, he, he's, the thing about Quay that people don't realize is he, he's always been like a scrapper. So even before he started boxing, he could scrap. And he's he's a he's a tough guy. Like he's a tough tough man. I think you and could beat, beat him.
1: him. I, I'm really no. sure you could beat him. No.
2: no. So th- learning how to box, he sort of refined all those skills to the point where it's like, now nah, you don't want to take him on. You,
1: <laughs> you, you but you bench a house, right? You bench more than James Slipper. Uh, so so uh, yeah, if you landed a punch, if you could reach him,
2: maybe. I'm too, I don't have the reach. You know, the same accordingly. All those years ago, he said, "Mate, you don't bench press on the field." So. Right. <laughs> See that's
0: that's that's clever scrum half talk. And right now, Will, I'll be pretty happy to wrap this pot up with Harry saying halfbacks are smarter than forwards. Hey, I, I've got that's a really all questions. I need to hear.
1: But Brett, I got a really quick round of questions for him, and it's uh, related to a guy that I actually talk a lot with rugby about. Um, rugby, Uncle Rugby from South right. Africa. He, he go go real about, quick, I will. And it was the old Reds, the Reds who won the title Super Rugby. You kept it really tight, big pack. Clever pack, and then you had you played off nine, and and you then you got a call from Quade, and he would then you know take his selected moments, and we were wondering if that's still the best way to handle the rush defense. The rush defense is giving people like Bowden Barrett all kinds of troubles. Uh, the Brumbies showed that. What's your thoughts on that? And have, are we reading that correctly? The Reds, who won the title, were using a, a very limited, uh, you know, pick your moments.
2: Yeah. So two two things. Like first things, the way. The way we played rugby back then was very simple. We had two calls, which was um uh, Bronk uh, what's the call? I've even forgotten. Them. So Chiefs was <laughs> off Chiefs was off 10 and Bulls was off nine. And the idea was a four general play would just work the same way. So we lived, that's all that, that was our game plan. But then the decision making was very much on myself and Quaid where if we if we got over the game line, we would play same way and 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 play play Chiefs off 10 because obviously the defense is tra- tracking back and they can't come as, be as aggressive. If we were on the game line or behind, more than likely we would play to the short side. Right. And, the, and the, 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 those decisions weren't based on a call. It was purely based on what myself and Quade would see in the decisions that we'd make. And then the forwards in that pattern of getting around the corner would then have to identify that if I look to go back to the short side, they would then have to adjust their lines and play that way. So that we, were, we were very fortunate in that within our team, our forwards were, we weren't the biggest forward pack, but we said our point of difference was that we would be fit and we would outwork teams. Right. So that played uh, in that time. But then in terms of answering your question around the rush defence, a lot of what we did when we came up against rush defence was we would play a lot of short side stuff and play through them. So the idea would be to play to the short side with, because a lot of the times teams that want to rush you will stack numbers on the open side. Mm-hmm. So you who was credit, I think, one of the most tactically gifted coaches I've ever had, he was like, well, we just go to where the numbers aren't. So we would play a lot of short side stuff, even if it was narrow. Then once we got in behind them, we would play with the pick and go stuff and then we would suck the defence into the point where they were short and then we would pull the trigger and play the Chiefs playoff 10. And the idea is then if they still want to rush, because they're short of numbers, there's going to be spaces either in between them or if we can get it to the edge on the edge. So that was how we approached the rush defence um, and it seemed to work like we we had a lot of struggles against um, the Chiefs initially who were very good at in those years of rushing. But that was a tactic that worked uh, to the point where I think in those years we had uh, we, we beat the Chiefs, I think, m- more often than we didn't. If not, uh, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: that, that, And that was to me that you, you might see this in the French World Cup. You might see the handle handling of, uh, of the rush defense. Exactly. The short side is where the money is. Mm-hmm. Uh, i even remember you doing not a lot of spiral passes you would actually not married to that idea that you have to bullet i mean like short little flip uh and i wondered if the league experience you had growing up might have helped you there like just different kinds of passes different different ways of setting them
2: free oh, but i was very fortunate i was coached by uh, a guy called chris land and he was real big on like we so we would do passing like i mean for hours like he was my first steam coach and we were, like the lights would be off we turn the car lights on and down the park. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we didn't put it on holidays. Like, there's no Easter holidays, nothing to be down at the park passing. So, but his big thing was um, pass based on what's in front of you. And it yeah. was like, all right, if you need a pass, then obviously pass it flat and hard. Whereas, if you're passing a five meter pass to a forward you got to wait it. You can't throw it like a ball or you can yes. throw it like. Yes. Yeah. So he was big on Like, I have, I credit him a lot in terms of the things I've been able to achieve in my footy career. But I, I always—it's always in my head. He's always say, "Weight your pass based on who you're passing to and how far." Yeah, um, certainly, obviously, helps a lot with what what it is you're referring to. Rugby
0: on the roar. Will we need to think about? It's it's getting closer and closer to to the England series. Um, you know, everyone's got a thought and everyone's got an opinion on on what a, what a Wallabies team looks like. So we thought, you know, you're going to be talking Wallabies in the. In the coming months for the raw, which would be fantastic to have you back on board. Where where are you seeing the obvious? The obvious stands out. With James O'Connor's out for the rest of Super Rugby. It sort of feels like Quaid, your old partner in crime, is um, is well and truly back in the box seat, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, he, he probably was always in the box seat as far as whether it was he was going to play in the England series or the Rugby Championship depending on what they want from him. But I think that also d- depends on, I think the, the they can only have three players that they choose from overseas. Yep. So obviously in, in my head, like you're thinking Samu, is one of the best players in the world. You're picking him re- without a doubt. And then you've obviously got Mariko, then you've got Rory yep. Arnold. And obviously like it's, it's hard to find the balance because it, it all depends on, from what conversations I've heard Dave have, ideally he wants to be picking players that play in Australia. So mm. then it depends where, where the need is most um so yeah i mean it's unfortunate for james but i i I really like the way noah's been playing as well i think his yeah. progression as far as um he's obviously got a lot of talent skill wise but the the ability to control a game you know understand momentum when to pull the trigger when to play percentage plays, and, and and play territory and things of that nature i think he's certainly growing in that space so the number 10 one is obviously going to be a really really interesting call um so it'd be, it'd be yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Dave does. I've, I've had brief chats to Quaid about it, but he, he doesn't give much away. <laughs> well, and he's,
0: and he's gone to LA to keep training now. So he's not even going back to Brisbane to talk to you.
2: Yeah, exactly, mate. He's, I think he's over there for some, some he's over there for a business opportunity. I think he's obviously just taking the, the chance to do some training with LA to stay fit as well. Yeah. 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 And it looks like he's in pretty,
0: uh, pretty good Nick. You, you mentioned uh, Noah Lolasia there and it's, it's it's interesting to me that the Brumbies are playing more and more off nine. Going back to your to your previous point there, Tane Edmund has been has been getting the headlines uh, for the Waratahs. It was Ben Donaldson at the front half of the year, and and he's back from from injury. But Tane Edmund, he's just he's got the job going. He's he's really got the job done, and and the Waratahs have just got better and better each week since he's gone in at ten. Um, is he a chance?
2: I think he's been very very good, but I think. Yeah, it, it would be detrimental to him to chuck him in yeah. there and yeah. say we want you to play or we want you to sit on the bench. I think it's it's really important that you you sort of um, taper your ambitions for players. I think because you, you sort of you can stun a player's development if you chuck them in there too early. I yeah. think obviously playing good, good consistent rugby at a good level for for the Waratahs, <laughs> focus should be then. All right, let's keep him at that level to be able to perform consistently week in, week out. Maybe for a year or two, bring him into the squad, have him see what it is, what it's like to be at this level, what it takes to train at this level, then what it takes to perform at this level. Being close by, and then go from there. Because I think if you bring people in too early, especially you think about it, an England series is massive. You're coming up against yes. one in the world for over a long period of time now. It can it, th- these types of series make or break people's careers. You know, you look back and you think, wow, he was amazing over that series. That sort of sets you up for you know, it gives you a reputation as being a big game player, whatever it is, or it goes the other way, it can, and yeah. it can sort of destroy you and, and, and pull you back. So, I think in t- someone like him, just keep allowing him to grow, develop, and get better because he's as, as well as he's playing, he's only played six or seven games at this level, yeah, consistent. Yeah, starting. it's it, it's a bit unfair to expect too much too soon. Um, so. Yeah, the, the number 10 is always going to be the interesting one because mm. when you look at for example, the number nine position is, is a lock. You know, you, Nick White's been, I think, outstanding all season. Yeah. Mm. Um, it probably gives a little bit of freedom then to maybe pick someone like Noah if Quaid isn't available because, yeah, as you said, with the Brumbies, they play a lot of nine because of the amount of experience he has. That can translate to the test arena as well. You know, you, you can rely on Nick to be able to control the game a little bit more while giving Noah a bit more freedom. Um, and then again, if you then pick Simon on the outside, it's like a buffer. You got a cushion of yeah. like a world class ten, yeah. a world class a world class twelve, a world class nine. Your ten can just basically do the simple things.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's Which a little is- tricky. It's a little tricky for the Wallabies because I think you're right. The Nick Nick Tate thing is a no brainer. But when on the tens, you have people at the kind of the end of their career. You have James O'Connor and Quaid, and you don't want to go to a World Cup with one of them, you know, hobbled or. Mm. Uh, it's a big hit and then your young guys Tane and Noah are both very young Noah I think did suffer from confidence by throwing being thrown in I kind of view Tane as a guy more like Andre Pollard who started at 20 years old threw him in the deep end and I think he thrived and uh, there's something about this Tane guy he looks like he's made of very strong stuff uh. Uh, I like how he's emotional I like how he, he wants the big kick he he can play 12 too he did he looks he looks yeah. strong yeah so I, I wonder maybe you throw him in against eddie's england and see what happens i don't know i mean maybe uh, yeah,
2: i think i agree i think he certainly is made of tough stuff like you see in his performances um but he like i said you're just going to be really careful with managing expectations because like yeah. i said big thing like so when I first like I use myself as when I first made the team in 2009 like my first four games were off the bench and then increasingly over the course of that like it went from two minutes in my day then 10 to 15 to 20 25 to eventually then starting like it's it's amazing how much that does for you to be able to learn what it takes to be at that level and then gradually increase your minutes and then gradually you know move into a starting position so maybe it is a case of you bring him in and he's on he he, he comes on the bench but Again, the, the thing to also understand is this, like, it's only his fourth I don't know, five or six games, whatever it is, at yeah. the starting at rugby level. And I, I promise you, like, test level is a huge step up. So, yeah. and especially when you're coming up against England, who are a world-class team and who have been a world-class team for a number of years now. And and, and Eddie's a smart coach too. Like, the one thing I'll say about Eddie, he will know how to target certain weaknesses in individuals and in teams uh, for the benefit of obviously his side. So um, I, I agree, he's made it tough stuff, but um, I, I'd probably like to see the Quaid play, or if not Quaid, n- Noah get the opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, and then and, you build the back line off the combination of, you know, Whitey at nine and, and Noah at 10.
1: It's, what, about it's probably, the, it's probably, what about the great fullback debate, Brad? Are we going to into that? That's a tough one too. We are, the we are. We are.
0: Yeah. I was just just going to mention it, it, it mentioned it. Um, yeah, Marcus Smith will, will almost certainly play 10 for England, has only played 10 tests, but he's played 120 games for Harlequins. So exactly. you know the, the experience factor is, is incredible. And this is where we lament, Will, the, the lack of an ARC and NRC game, something like that. And, and I've done the numbers on this recently. So he's played 120-odd games for Harlequins and 10 tests. Um, he and Noah are about the same age made their sort of top class debut round about the same time, but both about 18-19. Noah played 10 or a dozen NRC games and he's played 30 odd super rugby games for the Brumbies plus his 10 tests. So he's played 50, 60 games at that level. Marcus Smith is already in the 130s.
2: So Man, it gives I, it that foundation, well the foundation that gives yeah. you is it can't be like understated because he's what Playing for Harlequins, you're playing at high level rugby. You're playing in yeah. European competition, playing against like the best players in Europe. A lot of them play for obviously in the Premiership. That gives you a foundation of your game where you can continue to grow and learn that, you know, obviously Noah hasn't had because he's, he hasn't had that time. That yeah. makes that transition into test rugby a little bit easier. So it, it, it I guess it paints a picture as far as talking about Tane. Like he's played seven or eight games at this level. To yeah. so then go huge jump into playing against. Uh, England, you know, former World Cup finalists, just in the the one just gone by. It's it's it is a big jump, and I think I really think that those sort of expectations need to be managed for the player's sake, for his welfare, for his longevity, for his continued growth.
0: And and that's where Australia A will come in very handy in this um, in in this pack four series coming forward. I love that that's come back into it.
2: Yeah, I think that that's, yeah. that's, that's very cool. For, yeah,
0: like, did did you play some Australia A games back in? Back in, when was that, 2005, 6, 7 they came through, I think?
2: No, I, 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 didn't, I didn't. It was
0: 2007, I think. I didn't play. Yeah. I was five. No, you were 18, 19, as you say, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah full, full back. We do need to get into that. Um, it's in it's an interesting place at the moment. The, the, the Waratahs um, obviously have used a few different players there. Tom Banks has been at the back and rock solid for the Brumbies. Queensland have sort of tried Jordan Pataya. Jock Campbell's back there now and playing pretty well. And then in the background, uh, we probably can't forget about Reese Hodge, who just seems to be the, the the ever-present Mr. Reliable, Mr. Fix-It that you can drop into a hole and he does the job pretty well.
2: Mm. I, I'll be honest with you. Huh? I, I like the look of Jock Campbell. I, I really do. Yeah. I think he's had, he's had to bite his time and like we're speaking about, like, get the experience of playing good, consistent rugby at super level. Uh, So he's got that grounding, that foundation. I I just really like his game. He's he's got this amazing ability to always beat the first defender. He's he's quite strong through the hips and he's exceptionally quick. And the thing I like about him, he's he's, he's a natural fullback in that he's a good kicker of the ball and and understands when to kick and how to kick. Mm.
1: Uh,
2: I think that uh, coming up against a team like England, that'll be very important because they obviously like to play a lot of territory. But then you don't want to give the ball back to them just aimlessly. So having someone at the back there that understands space, understands just fullback play, will make a big mm. difference. So I, I would love to see him get given an opportunity because I think the guys who have played fullback, you know, obviously Banksy and and and, Hodgie and um, in in years in the in years just gone by, I don't think that they've fully taken the opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I really do think that someone like Jock is very deserving of, of, of a chance. And, and, and
0: with Tom Tom Banks heading to Japan next year, um, too, there's a yeah.
1: there's
0: pro- probably an argument to be made for for trying someone now. Sorry, mate.
1: And it seems like Jock Jock fits the mold of the Six Nations fullbacks that actually handled England well. You have a the French fullback is not that big. You have yeah. um, Hugo Keenan from Ireland. I mean, a classic fullback, a real fifteen, wasn't you know pushed around because he was a wing or something. And I think maybe that's job one against England. You're going to have a lot of box kicks. You're going to have a lot of um, positioning issues.
2: I think that's a really good point. A really good point, yeah. The, the idea of just having a traditional fullback there against a team that likes to kick a lot and play territory, I think will make a really big difference. And if you actually, the one thing I really like about him is he does the simple things in the basics really well. He takes his high balls. Uh, he, he knows where to inject himself in the play from the fullback position. Um, and, and, and he, he, he he's... He he doesn't make very many mistakes. Right.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, and he's got a bit of ball playing about him as well. He can, he he can pop up from the back and can get a pass away. He's he's a looks like a natural footballer, which is which is good to see as well. So moving forward, then, Will, if you're going to play a traditional fullback, then where where are you thinking for the wings? Do you play Patai and, and Kellaway or is there is there some other Smokies there?
2: Well, Again, it goes back to Desmarie. Oh, you've,
0: you've got Corabetti, too, haven't we?
2: Yeah, but he's one of the best players in the world. If you can get him yeah. back, lock for one wing, yeah. Uh, then I I, I like Geordie Pateo as well. You know, I, I know Kellaway was very good last year, but the idea of having someone like um Geordie, exceptional under the high ball, obviously, you're going to get a lot of kicks from England, so to have that. Um have a have a player like him knowing that you're safe when you're getting those highballs, but he just brings X factor. He brings something that mm. not many Australian rugby can bring. The ability to 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 create something from nothing, whether it's through an offload or breaking three or four tackles and running 40, 60, 70 meters. Um, and he's a big body. Like that's that's the yeah. thing. The other level that that I think is goes a little bit unnoticed is like size matters to have a big yeah. body like um who can get you out of trouble through a tough carry or whatever it might be. I think I'd like to see him in one wing and then obviously the other. Um, uh, the other if, if Mariki isn't doesn't play, I I really like Tom Wright as well. I, yeah. I really like him as a I think he's I I have always really liked watching him play.
0: He's he's gone a little bit under the radar this year, but he's the second second leading try scorer in super rugby and has been for a good chunk of the season. He's just he he knows how to find the line.
2: He's got a bit of edge about him, he's got a bit of mumble, yeah. like he likes. Yes, I love seeing that in players, yeah. and when you're going to come anyone someone who is a team that will want to try to bully you uh, physically, mentally, and and, uh, and and emotionally, like on the field, like you've got to have players that has got an edge about them. They aren't going to take a mm-hmm. backward step. I, I really like that about him. I just
1: want and, the uh, uh, Wallabies to have a team where it has right and Mac right. That's what I want.
0: <laughs> wait till we wait, wait till we uh, till we start promoting some of these some of these junior Wallabies from a couple of years ago, and you'll have. Will Harrison and Harry Wilson and Will Harris all on the same side <laughs> again. <laughs> it's, it's it's nuts. Uh, Kelleway will be in the mix and and he's been playing, I reckon he's worn four different jumpers this year for the Rebels. And so he may well be the perfect number 23 on the it's bench. Smart, and, and player, yeah. that, Dave Rennie's a big fan of him, um, knows he can do a job wherever he drops him in. And that's important, Will, these days, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. The, that's the thing like that it probably works in his favor as far as being in the 23, the fact that he can cover all those positions, but then doesn't work as well in the fact that he hasn't had time to just practice in one position. Yeah, it's three it's, Hodge,
0: it's Matt, Matt Rogers all over again, isn't it?
2: Matt, exactly. It, whereas then you've got all these other guys who are playing or seasoned um, right throughout the season thus far in those positions. And like the thing, those things make a difference too. It's very much like combinations and right? combinations make a difference. And Time in the saddle makes a difference. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's pretty, like he was exceptional last year, Callaway. So maybe he gets given the benefit of the doubt and they give him the first crack.
0: Yeah, maybe. We should try and delve into into back row, and I mean, this is a Pandora's box because I mean, Hooper will be one, but you could throw ten other blokes in the other two jerseys and have a pretty good back row either way you want you want to go. Who's who's stood out? Who have you, who have you like this year? Oh, I love Bobby. I love yeah. Bobby Balancing. It's hard not to. You- He's in. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, could be a chance for the semis. I uh, saw him on, on Saturday night at um, at, at the game and he and could be a chance for the semis. He said. So,
1: sometimes the, sometimes when a player misses a game, that's when they actually, the stock rises the most. I mean, I really think mm. the Brumbies missed Bobby. I mean, he was yeah. the punch they needed. They're
0: getting, they're getting similar physicality and output from Tommy Hooper, who is going to be a really, really handy young player, but you He doesn't have the same presence um, as it's 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 too easy to miss Robbie Valentini.
2: Yeah, presence is a big thing. And like while he is, they are getting similar sort of physicality. They also aren't because Bobby's just a huge body, and he plays with a level of pressure that's just. It's almost like it gets everyone going. Like even when I watch, like when I watch him make a strong carry, you see their team lift. Not only does it get a game line, but it gets everybody up in terms of getting into the physical contest. So he would for me, he's without a doubt the number eight. He's a monster.
0: So, you, you'd play him at eight, you'd play him at eight, then, yeah. Will?
2: Yeah, I, I like Bobby at eight because yeah. it's, I mean, that plays naturally a lot of the times, isn't it? Oh, yes. Well,
0: yeah, it's, it's interesting. And it was interesting the last year as well. It's interesting that the way, the way the Wallabies want to play and the way the Brumbies want to play, he plays exactly the same way. He just wears a different, different number.
2: Yeah. Well, so I'd pick him at eight, and Hoops is obviously seven, and then yeah. six. I mean, six, that's Pandora's box. You've got like, you can pick anyone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who, who who played six last year? I mean,
0: yeah. Uh, oh, Lockie Swinton played a bit. Um, oh, I never to get through it all oh, now. Uh,
1: who did well, play there? Uh, Rob Leota. Rob Yeah, Rob yep. Leota
0: finished the year there and, and played really, really well.
1: What about a guy? What about a guy who plays like a Jed Holloway? Stick him at six. Yep. I mean, then you're you're getting into this big six kind of idea, which I like, you
0: know. Yeah, and and he's got the like he's played a lot of six. He's played a lot of eight as well. Um, he's he's become a lock in in recent years. And look, he's probably one of the four locks of the competition. So I think he'd be a really good option at six because it's a, it's a it's a natural area for him for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, but the interesting thing is, then how do you balance that out with your second roles? Like, uh, for me, you pick Isaac as is definitely one of your second roles. Yeah, could jet up place to and then if you can put someone like Rob Leota at six, Who probably has a bit more foot speed, gives yep. you a bit more dynamic dynamism in ball carry and, and and just ability around the field, and maybe you balance it out that way.
0: Yeah, um, well, and then we well then then we haven't even haven't even mentioned guys like Darcy Swain and Nick Frost and those Matt Phillip.
2: Them. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, uh, my, my second role is you'd probably go with Matt Phillip and Rods. Yeah, um, Isaac Rotter. and then yeah, the the I guess the biggest, the most contentious call is six, yeah, because you, you could have um, Jet Holloway, you could have Rob Leota, you could have you could even check possibly Harry Wilson in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think Frost, I, Nick... Harry Wilson played six, right, when uh, Will Harris was eight, uh, when they were for the,
0: for the yeah for the under twenties. Um, that's right. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. you can
1: come back to the same thing. Will started with was you know the four players: Rory Arnold, Quay Cooper, Correbetti, and Karevi. You know, which three? And for me, the experience of South Africa shows you that it's hard to bring a pack guy back in. The, yep. the, you can bring a foreign uh, backline player in better. I don't know why exactly, but it seems like you want your pack to be your pack. You know? I reckon
0: we saw that on the spring tour as yeah. well. I, I think Arnold was the best performed of those European-based players used last year. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think you're right, Harry. And I think actually that the lock stocks Domestically this year have been performing well enough that you probably don't need Rory Arnold, and I can't believe you think about that, but I think that's a reality. Will,
2: yeah, yeah and you're right. I, I, even the the Queensland Res Locks have been
0: playing really well. Yeah, like yeah. I, Ryan Smith has
2: been good. Yeah, yeah, I think really good. I think all across the board they've been playing really well, and I think I think that's actually quite true. Like in terms of your pack, you do want it. It is a lot harder bringing someone in from overseas, whereas you like history of showing that bringing someone in like Quade and, and Samu from overseas, you can fit into the team a lot easier. Mm. Um, but that, that, see, that's, that's the ultimate joker is who do you bring back? Because that then determines yeah. like the combinations that you pick within the team whether it's the backline or the, or, the, or the forward pack. Right, exactly. because, I mean, if you are asking me who I'm bringing back, I'm bringing Quade back and I'm bringing Samu back for sure. And then it's then a toss-up. Do you then bring Marika back or do you bring the second roller back? Yeah. A quarter betty just yeah. makes Australia look
1: so much more dangerous. I mean, when, when he, as yeah. a box supporter, when I see him with a ball, you're oh, no, what's going to happen? Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah I, it's, the, the, the first person I'd bring back would be Samu, like, without a doubt, because yeah. it, he, he, like, he came back and changed the, the Wallabies last year. For like, sure. More, more, so, more so than any other player. I know, like, obviously, I'm a, big, a bit you know really good match with Quaid, and he obviously was exceptional and, and, and likewise had a huge difference. But Samu, the impact that he had on that team, I think was the biggest was the biggest um, difference. So he would be the first one I'd bring back. Then it's then a toss-up between Marika Quaid and um, Rory. It's, pro- it's, probably,
0: it's, it's probably Rory Arnold still. It probably
1: is. Yeah. Yeah. Now that now that I think it's... about it, if you if you fought Quaid in MMA, I think you'd win because you tackle better.
2: <laughs> no, 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 you should watch some of their games in um in, in, in japan so like he he quay's worked a lot on his body from a physical uh, perspective so he, he's the strongest he's ever been over the course of his career and he loves getting stuck in the physical stuff he's made he's he's running out there putting some shots on i tell you yeah right
0: <laughs> isn't that interesting and um, too.
2: Like yeah, yeah. Well, where was this like 10 years ago but he's actually, <laughs> he, he didn't much <laughs> be able to do, do those things
0: yeah yeah up front it feels pretty obvious to me it still feels like it's James Sliver, Angus Bell, and and then Tenniel and, and, and Al at, at tight end. Yeah. I'm not sure that we've seen anyone else come through there yet.
2: No, I think that's pretty much set in stone as far as those players. And it's just a case of how you rotate them, yeah. obviously, in, in, in terms of who starts, who's on the bench, and then how how like, the minutes that they all get based on yeah. going. Those guys are like, I, I, I think we're really healthy as far as the front row.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is not always something we've been able to say about the Wallabies. And then the uh, $64 the $64 question then becomes, who plays hooker? Because no one's really nailed it down. There's been some good performances Forecki, this Forecki.
1: year. Ricky you think? Yeah, yeah that guy can throw in a line out. He's a good go. I don't think he'll get it. I'm just saying he is a smoker. Yeah. I reckon him.
2: he'll be in the mix for sure. Yeah, I'm going to go for Lau because I think, like I said to you, yeah. I think that is like that big body makes a difference, yeah. whether it's like Set piece in the scrum, uh, or you know, uh, the driving moors, and like you got to go with combinations as well. Like, yeah, there's whether it's him, Al, and slips at start, or him, um, slip and, and Nella, or whoever else.
0: Yeah, but, but
2: it's like we're talking about that pack, pack mentality in the forwards is, is, is a big thing. So, when you pick combinations, guys who are comfortable playing with each other understand yeah. certain whether it's for for, for throwing the line at to guys that he's comfortable with, or how they work in the scrum together, it makes a big yeah. difference. And I like, I, I just think a big body, you, you need a big body, in particular against coming up against a big pack like England.
0: The the fact that it's still very much up in the air um, su- suggests to you that this is a a long way off being off being resolved, um, mm. and that's that's going to be that hooker might be the most contentious. Spot this year, the, the the most open spot, I should say. I mean, the good
2: news
1: for Australia is I think your front rows are better than New Zealand's right now. It's a very yeah. strange position to be in. I think you have depth, you know, because you have guys like uh, CEO, Bell Alatoa. Um, I mean, you have Super. a really you have, yeah, you have some you have three levels, which is what you need yeah. in a three series long series. Yeah, so, hard to argue.
2: Real hard. To argue. I, I, just, I I I really like the look of our forward back. I've said this for the last couple of years. I think I've Said a lot last time when I did some stuff for you guys. I, I, I'm quite envious as a halfback looking back at this forward pack, mm. this Wallaby. I'd love to sit behind this pack because they're dominant. Like not just in and around the field as far as their ball carries, but like you watch them in set piece, at the lineouts, the mauls, the, the scrums. The fact that not only are they holding parity with teams like South Africa and New Zealand, but at, at certain moments dominating them gives yep. you so much fun to be able to play off the back of whether it's line-out, maul attack or scrum attack or then being able to play on the front foot as a back line because you, you, you've got parity or dominance in the set piece. Yep. So I th- it's been, like you're saying, a, a real area of strength of ours. Um, and we've just got to make sure that we continue to build that depth and give guys more experience, particularly leading into the world. No doubt.
0: Well, it's going to be it's going to be fantastic to have you writing columns again for the for the raw this um, this international season. What what are you looking forward to and and are you looking forward to getting back on the keyboard?
2: Man I honestly look forward to watching Test Footy again. Like it's it's been I, I, living in Japan, playing in Japan, I still am a great fan of like super rugby. I like watching uh the games particularly now that like you're getting the crossover, like it's super rugby Pacific and you've seen the Fijian drawer and Moana Pacifica. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to just watching test footy, and and the the English series will be really exciting. Um, you know, Eddie's obviously had the wood over, wood over us for a long period of time now, so it'll be um it'll be really good watching. I'm just looking forward to watching good high quality test footy.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great, fantastic yeah. to have you on. We will we will definitely touch base again through the rugby championship. I suspect more than once even. Um, fantastic to have you on the pod. Um, we will we will talk to you again soon, no doubt.
2: Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate your time, guys. Cheers, well the roar
0: harry great to talk to will genia there we are definitely going to do that again through the year and, and probably several times um just and great to have him on board the roar again this this international season we're going to get so much out of that
1: yeah what a generous guy with his time i mean yeah. really, his, his answers were so clear there was no beating around the bush i loved it, it was great yeah
0: it was fantastic we didn't really talk about uh, Brumby's Blues from last weekend with him, um, still one of the standout games of the season. I think it was absolutely fantastic to be sitting metres away from it. It's 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 games like this, um, as as frustrating as it was at times with the way the the breakdown was was officiated and the way both teams were playing it. But the level of the physicality and the level of the contest, it was a game. It's it's nights like that that I realised that I genuinely have one of the best jobs in rugby.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was wonderful. I thought, you know, Niggly Nick was at his peak. He was Peaky, yeah. blinder, peaky Blindsider. <laughs> he was he was all over the place. But the confrontational approach really was the, only, it was, it was the only way the Brumbies would actually, I think, calm down that just detonating Blues backline. And yet it was a yeah. architect of their demise as well, because in the end, uh, they just got, you know, a, a lopsided uh, tackle count, a lopsided... Rock count, Uh, it was very – it became obvious that they were trying to slow down the ball, and so then it became easy for the referee to sort of like close their mind and just go penalty, penalty, penalty. But I do think it's important to look at that as the prisoner – the styles, the clash of styles, that's what made the game so great.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you.
1: A boxer against a puncher. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, I completely agree with you. And it was – we looked up the stats at halftime, and you could see how one-sided it was, and the Brumbies had made – Three times as many tackles by that stage. The Blues had made four or five times as many meters. Um, it was and, and carries. It was so one sided. And yet
1: and they had ex- the game in their hands. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. Give yeah. it a half time. It was like oh, it was one point.
0: Yeah. Well, and we expected it to to level out in the second half, but it kind of didn't. And yet the Brumbies led twice. Right. Um, So yeah, in, in, incredible game. Absolutely uh, incredible game. I, I, and, wouldn't
1: think, I wouldn't think the Blues go away from that thinking oh, when we face the Brumbies again in the playoffs, it's going to be a cake. I mean, I would no. think that as being both sides know they know how to win now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought as much after the Crusaders game and I had the same thought after the Blues. I, I think the last these last two games, though they lost them both, I think there's an argument that the Brumbies took more out of those games than the Blues and the Crusaders did. Could be, yeah. Yeah, could be. Uh, This weekend, round 15, it's the last round of Super Rugby Pacific before the finals. Uh, One game on Friday night, the Crusaders and the Reds in Christchurch, um, and the Reds winning there would do the Waratahs a massive favour. On Saturday, it's four games back-to-back. It's the Indrua and the Chiefs in Lautoka. Uh, That's followed by Moana Pasifika and the Brumbies in Auckland. Then it's the Waratahs and the Blues in Sydney. And then we finish with the Force and Hurricanes uh, over in Perth. On Sunday, it's the Rebels and Highlanders down in Melbourne. And if you're wondering who needs to do what um, in order to, to get through and who can finish how high and how low and all that, um, Tony Harp has done a fantastic breakdown of all the scenarios uh, on the raw it's it's been updated after the uh the, the, the game that the force beat moana pacifica on tuesday night um so jump on the raw.comau and check that out it's got all the details there who can finish where who can get through with a win and a loss and who needs to do what and even what the tie breaking scenarios are which uh, suddenly we all get interested in uh this time of year so the Force were really good in beating Moana Pacifica on on Tuesday night. Uh, we mentioned that with with Will Genia. Um, but the only real judiciary news this week was that Highlanders fly half Sam Gilbert got five weeks for that horror tip tackle um, on on Michael Hooper. Um, and I couldn't help but notice that uh, that friend of the pod, Aaron Lloyd, was uh, was his legal representative came into the starting point of ten. I think they very quickly accepted five.
1: Yeah, the the remorse coach kicked into big oh yeah overdrive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's our, yeah. our part lawyer, so we're going to need him. That's very good. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. job and uh, uh, Lloyd on that one. Uh,
0: Aaron yeah, nah. that one. Uh, They they took the early plea. Did not even go to the foul play <laughs> review committee. Right, rightly so, I think. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, James O'Connor is is out for a month. He won't play Super Rugby again for for Queensland, and he's now racing the clock to be right for the Wallabies against England. Um, Tongan coach Todai Kefu has revealed this week that former Wallabies lock Adam Coleman has signalled his eagerness to earn Tongan selection for next year's Rugby World Cup when he becomes eligible in mid-October. This is, I think we're going to start seeing this. This is players with dual eligibility eligibility have effectively had the three-year stand-down period and they might start nominating for, particularly for the islands.
1: Yeah, I'm here for that. And the, that's what yeah. the, the rule's designed for, not these other permutations between Wales yeah. and England. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, there was four Australian women's sevens players were named in the World Rugby Dream Team after they claimed the 2022 Sevens World Series. Charlotte Kaslick was the Impact Player of the Year. Madison Ashby, Faith Nathan, and Rookie of the Year, Madison Levi, were all named. Um, the Australian women were beaten by New Zealand in the final of the last league in Toulouse last weekend. Former, here's one for you, mate. Former Wasps and England flyer Christian Wade has confirming, confirmed he's eyeing a return to rugby after being cut by the Buffalo Bills. He had three seasons with the Bills in the NFL. Uh, I have to admit I'd forgotten he'd gone over there. Scored a touchdown with his first touch, apparently.
1: Yeah, he never really had the exact position that he could play there, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: good. Did the job. Uh, Panasonic Wide Knots will play... Suntory, Sun Goliath in the Japanese League One final. uh, This weekend coming in Europe, Leinster and La Rochelle will face off in the Champions Cup final on Saturday. It's probably Sunday Australian time. Uh, Lyon will play Toulon in the Challenge Cup final. um, And it's quarterfinal time in the United Rugby Championship. All the Shields were were wrapped up last weekend. Leinster, Stormers, Ospreys and Edinburgh won the respective Uh, um, Shields.
1: And they used old Cadillac hubcaps. (laughs) (laughs) For the- <laughs> <laughs> there was no possibility of drinking any beer out of that. Our friend no. was telling me about it, posted some great pictures. And Difficult to drink out of a shield. But yeah, there was no way. They tried, but it just, yeah. I'm
0: sure they tried. But I'm good. absolutely sure they tried. Um, who's playing who in the quarterfinals this weekend?
1: Uh, so Stormers get Edinburgh uh, on, the, on the... And so I think you have bulls and sharks will, you know, will face each other. And yep. so... The guarantee there's going to be uh, at least one in the semi-finals and probably two yeah. South African teams, but it's all about Leinster at this point. Leinster's second yeah. team is as good as most of the team's first team, so it's going to knock off Leinster. Yeah, is it is it is it one v eight, two v seven, or is it a different uh, format? It's what, yeah, one v eight, two seven. So yeah, right. So if it, the seeds hold, the Stormers will have to go to Dublin and play Leinster.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, we'll see how that how that plays out. Um. But I think that might be us done for episode 17 of the Raw Rugby Podcast. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials. And don't forget to drop us a line on the Raw when the new episode page lands. Uh, And check out another week of Super Rugby Tipping where the hairy man was in an interesting situation this week where he was both first and last for a period of time. (sighs) The pod is on all the major platforms now. So like, follow, subscribe, do whatever you need to do to ensure it drops in your notifications every week. And leave us a review. Our promise to you from at the top, if you leave us a review, we will mention and we'll read it out on the pod, good or bad. That's that's our promise, Harry. We will I like do that. this. Yeah. yeah, yep. That's how, that's it. That's how we'll do it. It's the Royal Rugby Podcast with me, Brett McKay, and Harry Jones every week on the raw.com.au Australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favourite rugby analysis and opinions. Thanks for listening. We're back in your ease next week.
1: Come play with and review us.